Welcome back to He's on Fire podcast. It has been three or four months since I've been on, and I'm I'm really happy to be back. Unfortunately, we have like one good team in the Valley to talk about right now, and a lot of bitching and a lot of complaining. That's what we had to look forward to. But um, life is crazy. Sports are good. Sports are awesome. Sports have a way of uplifting everything. And in a time of need for some personal stuff I'm going through, um, uh, if everybody could just say a little bit of a prayer for my dad out there, that would be really great. Um, but sports is a way to just unwrap your mind and just, you know, kind of let it all out for, for better or for worse, whether it's the fandom side or the fanatic side. But man, I'm really excited to finally be back tonight. Uh, Justin is going to join us. Uh, everybody knows Justin. Now, if you listen to a son's podcast, you know who the hell Justin is and so does Jay and all that stuff, right? We're also going to get Peter Boyle on later to talk about the Arizona State win tonight. That was a big quad two win. Welcome back. Good to see y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Life is life is hard enough as it is. Right. Uh, appreciate you guys. But uh, let's get lost in the wonderful world that is Arizona sports. Right. What what could possibly go wrong? I mean, I'm really happy about the dub tonight. A big quad two win. you lose that at net 55, if you're Arizona State and all of a sudden you just start uh, trickling down. Uh, Darth, while you're here, I would love to hear about your uh, feedback on Drew Pine transferring to Arizona State, what it meant for Notre Dame at your quarterback position as well, too. Um, and ultimately, was it a loss or is it an addition by subtraction? So curious, Drew Pine to Arizona State, probably the new the new QB there. I don't know. <sighs> Jay Joyce in the house. How have you been? What's up? Uh, I'm doing all right, Evans. Great having Shit. you back. Uh, both of our beards are maxing out on efficiency right now so we're both looking good uh merry christmas and happy new year to everybody um sorry we haven't been around you know busy with family and all that stuff uh but i'm doing all right man uh, uh with personal stuff i'm doing cool uh just about everything is the same right now yeah uh the cardinals are out of the race and then uh, we're dealing with some sun stuff that we're gonna dive into um we're basically going to say pump your brakes, you know, like if you're interested to hear, you know, you'll hear that in a couple minutes. Uh, but I did want to show one thing. My, shout out my mother-in-law. Uh, everybody in the group chat saw it. Um, she went ahead and made some unofficial merch for the podcast. Um, I'm not wearing it because it's kind of like hot and cold in here. So I didn't want to start sweating. So <laughs> look at but, that. That is beautiful. Yeah. Shout out my mother-in-law. Uh, He's on fire. The first he's on fire of the night. <laughs> uh, but uh, besides that, uh, everything's all good. I'm, I'm truly blessed with everything that's going on. 
And uh, prayers up to your dad, man. I don't know exactly what's going on, uh, but uh, hopefully um, – God, sorry. My ESPN is tweaking. Uh, hopefully everything is uh, going right on your end. And uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, and then um, – 2022 is already off to a weird sort of start Three, already. 2023, excuse you. Oh, 2023. Yeah, like uh, RIP Ken Block. Um, I used to watch his shit all the time. And uh, RIP Gangsta Boo. If you don't know Gangsta Boo, you need to get more into hip-hop. <laughs> uh, uh, RIP those two, uh, they'll go down as goats. But um, let's, you know, stay positive and let's try to uh, clear the muck a bit. So speaking of the muck of it, um, right before we get into it, I see Justin isn't quite ready. I want to bring in Justin here and let's uh, let's bring this in. Justin, welcome back. Um, this is yeah. your third or fourth time. It is wonderful to have you. Um, you know, Sorry, I was busy commenting in the chat on YouTube that <laughs> that that Voida's little red bubble racket is, is like Rico worthy, man. Jesus, the most expensive teacher ever bought in my entire life. But it's lovely. I love it. See, as long like, as it's I comfortable and it doesn't I, I shrink after the first the wash. It is no, no. Actually, it did not. Um, and it is incredibly comfortable. I, I'm actually a little ashamed that I'm not wearing it right now. You, you know, you should be ashamed a little bit since you brought it up, right? Uh, yeah, Coda Kid, what's happening? And it's it's great to see you, man. Look, Matt Ishbia is the quote unquote uh, incumbent owner, if you will. Everything still has to go that way. Meanwhile, guess who's still footing the bill? Our old pal Bobby Sarver. Um, and I'd like to remind everybody he did go to school at the University of Arizona. Just throwing that out there. That 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 billionaire did. He did, and he sure did. And he's still footing the bill, which means he basically has veto power over any trade, especially when it gets into the luxury tax. He can say yay or nay, right? That's the gist that I've got from it. So, what can James Jones realistically do? Off-season signings were very minimal with Dwayne, Jock, Akogi, you know, very minimal uh, salary, years. What can he legitimately do? Justin, do you have an answer just to that question? I think he can still do whatever he was able to do before Sarver decided to sell the team, frankly. Even with him being uh, suspended? Yeah, because I mean, because if he still has the veto power, then, I mean, he would have had the same veto power when he was not suspended, right? So, I mean, it's basically par for the course. And at the end of the day, when you have a guy who is selling a team and he ultimately, he's the majority owner, right? He has rights to that. That's that's his property. The Phoenix Suns, are major, the majority of it is his property. You can't sit there and I totally lost my train of thought. That's amazing, Justin. I swear to God, COVID brain guys, is a very very real thing. Help it me is, out. Help it me is out. a real thin thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Help me out. You, Help you me with out. you were going. I don't know where exactly where you're going. It's his team. It's his property. <laughs> oh, um, it's... he's he's selling it, and and I get that he's suspended from running the day to day operations. But you can't say we're going to completely take control away from you, even when it comes to things that could ultimately impact the value of the team. Arguably, at least. It's it's I think it's logical. And I, I also wouldn't be surprised if that's part of what got him to actually say, I'm going to sell because he certainly didn't come right out and say, all right, you got me report. I'm going to sell. 
he refuted it initially and he then it wasn't it, yeah. until and i know a lot of people you, you know certainly the sponsor uh pressure and all that will come into play but again what is that what does that affect the bottom line which is what to whatever degree it might be, letting Sarver have that final veto control still allowed him to, to, to control, you know, through this, through this process, which again, if I'm him, I certainly would want. And if I'm the NBA, I, I wouldn't sit there and say, well, that's unreasonable to ask for. That's a, that's a really good point about lowering the value of what you were selling. Um, I don't know if that would be with what he would be able to do, I mean, within reason, you're not going to trade your whole right. franchise and that's, for, and that's for why cheap I said for what, pennies. To whatever degree that is. It's not like, okay, suddenly it's now worth $200 billion instead, right? But, right. But there's there's still some value there that arguably can be gained or lost, depending on, on what happens. And if he's the one that is selling the team, he has the right to do what he thinks is going to maximize that value. So. What is the incentive for Sarver, other than trying to save face as much as possible for this point, to go into the luxury tax? Why would he want to do that and pay more money if he's not going to get the credit? Everybody hates him. Why am I going to pay an extra $12, $18 million when I don't have to? Why would I? Why am I going to do this? Screw you guys. You kicked me out and you don't want it, me. Is he going Is he going to be paying that luxury tax? I mean, this deal, if if nothing blows up, I think it'll be done by mid-February? It got closer, you know, what was it, January 20th when it was announced, or 21st, or December 20th, 21st, excuse like, me. That was a lot, <laughs> yeah, that was a lot sooner than everybody expected. We thought mm -hmm. six to nine months, we would start getting a trickle of names, and then, you know, lo and behold, three, four, five months later, boom, Ishbia, he's that dude, another another Michigan product, by the way. Wow, a lot, yeah. of, a lot of Michiganders running down there. Um so it got done a lot faster. So I could see your point that that would happen. Jay, do you feel like with Sarver's moves or James Jones's moves with or lack thereof that James Jones might be handcuffed? And I'm going to I'm going to bring up this comment from Darth because this is great. Um, is James Jones afraid to make a transaction that could affect how Ishbia's view his value as a GM? That is my argument for James Jones. Like you got to when an owner comes in, is he going to push everybody out or is he going to stick with what's in place? Right. So is James Jones fighting for his job? So what I'm trying to say to you, Jay, <laughs> uh, coming around full circle, um, do you, do you think with Sar that Sarver is handcuffing James Jones or, and do you expect the deal to be done? Um, I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, like I, I was on the same uh, plane as you guys. I thought uh, it will be a six to nine month process to get all this through. So to, to hear that Sarver was selling and then three months later uh, we get an actual name that's in the pot to buy it and and then uh you fast forward another month or two and then we uh we have a name that is going to be closing the deal uh with James Jones I feel I feel like it's a lot of everything I feel like um the KD shit really kind of like fucked our whole thing up i i truly believe that james jones was looking for other stuff to do but the whole market was frozen in the summer like little to no moves happened in the whole off season so everybody was kind of got it got stuck with uh sitting on their hands and with yeah. Harvard, you know like he's a dick man like so uh, he he's gonna go out swinging and like what i'm annoyed about is if people are applying pressure to server behind the scenes to sell the team. I feel like that bill 
anyway should just transfer over to the next guy that buys it. You could certainly um, make that part of the deal too. Yeah. So th that's just my thinking of it. I mean, I'm not like in business or anything like that, but if, if the NBA is forcing Sarver to sell without publicly saying that they're forcing them to sell it, the bill should just transfer over to Matt Ishiba and that crew or whoever's going to buy the team. I, but with the whole James Jones thing, I, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think he's handcuffed. I feel like a lot of people are want to point fingers because of our performance recently on Monty, on James Jones, and kind of forgetting the whole situation we've been through for the last year and a half, two seasons. Uh, I mean, since the server thing came out, it's kind of messed up uh, our whole project plan and uh, internal development. And, and whatnot, a contract situation. I mean, people still talk about the DA contract to this day. People talk about not signing Cam Johnson still. And, like, we can only see these moves, positive or negative, after this whole thing is situated with uh, the ownership yeah, uh, man. I, deal. So, to point fingers at James Jones, I think it's pretty unfair, considering how quickly he turned his franchise around when he did come. So. I'll just leave it at that. James James Jones just signed an extension this year. Yeah. He doesn't need to worry about his job security. I mean, just because a new owner comes in doesn't mean his billionaire owner. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I, I think is James Jones not making a move because he's worried about making like that. That's that doesn't I don't know James Jones, but that doesn't seem like the mentality that James Jones exudes. Is he? And he's is just he, acting is, like every he, other owner right now, waiting until like the end of the deadline. Yeah, I mean, we saw, we saw a cash consideration thing with the Spurs today. Like that's like the first movement. We probably won't see anything until like the last, um, uh, like a couple of days before uh, the deadline. So yeah, I here I, I I'm. <laughs> I guess I, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but it surprises me that people actually think that, like Jay Crowder is not going to be traded. That 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 really surprises me, and like you're kind of alluding to Jay, how often in an NBA season do you see significant moves? This is not a cardigan, dude. It's a hoodie. What are you talking about? I was told today by a colleague, a colleague, so a lawyer, that I my my fashion sense is like a wealthy homeless person, which I actually <laughs> thought was quite the compliment. Boom so. shakalaka! Works the corner pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. I don't know. Okay. Mm, you know, I've got nothing. I'm just going to fucking mumble a little bit more like that. I'm good. I, um, so I, under, I understand where you're going with the James Jones stuff. Part of me just feels like I, I know that Jay Crowder is going to get moved in, in my in my heart, but in my head at this point, I've I've read so many damn NBA rumors about Suns trading this and Suns doing that that it's almost like I'll I, I'll believe it when I see it. Like y'all have been crying wolf for since May or, or <coughs> April or whenever that initial report came out. Um, uh, I just don't believe it anymore. Like I, I almost don't care. Like you don't make a move, that's fine. Whatever you move forward, and you got a lot of salary moving forward. That's also great if you look at the salaries that are outgoing, right? I just want them to. I just want them to fucking do something that's competitive. Like holy shit, 
Holy well, shit. That- this has been outstanding what they've done. And and for the record, I've always thought year four of the Chris Paul era, which is next year, I thought Chris would be here three years. But then that fourth year, I thought that was going to be the year we were really going to be able to make a jump. Book is going to be 27 turning into 28. And you're going to get this other superstar next to him because they're going to want to come and play at this point. So we, obviously we're, we're ahead of the timeline. I hate to bring the timeline uh, phrase back to, I mean, it's just the real better days. Too, like, yeah, yeah, true. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so frustrated at all the options that have been out there. The DeJounte Murray going for super cheap. Uh, Clarkson was available and you see what he's done. Marketing was available. It's like all these things were available to us. Like, like legitimately just well, what when is you going look, on? When you look back to the off season, I think Jay hit the nail on the head. The Kevin Durant thing just poo-pooed any opportunity to do anything. It, you you couple and, that with Kyrie Irving and then for yeah, Russell Westbrook too. and that whole swap. LeBron, and extension. Le- LeBron thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there, that was one of those, look, the opportunity is there. It's not a guarantee, but we're going to take the chance on it. And, and I'm, I'm sure the sun sat back. I'm sure James Jones sat back and, and said, if he doesn't come here, here's what we're risking. We're risking missing out on these guys, but you weigh the benefit of potentially having Kevin Durant here against the detriment of, of missing out on them. And running back to a big degree, a team that did just win 64 games, and I fucking don't care what anybody says, got decimated by COVID, and that's the fucking truth. That's a, a, no an alleged report. fact. That's so, an alleged no. fact. It's, it's an alleged if it, if it, I, I still think if it was real, somebody would have come out and legit said it. There would have been a legit source, and they would have all been quarantined or something. Something more would have come out. No. Uh, Why? Yeah. Or, the NBA would get in so much trouble for it. So anyway, Whew. I think that I think James Jones sat back and weighed those pros and cons and decided that the move is to sit there and hope that this Kevin Durant deal goes through. And that was these were the, the, the bench that we ended up with at the beginning of the season, who are now the fucking starters because of injuries. <laughs> is the repercussion of, of, of that attempt. And, and look, I'm not going to be mad at James Jones at wanting to take the risk of landing Kevin Durant. Hindsight is hindsight is 2020, right? We can be upset right. about it. We can, we can be, we, we, we can look back on it now, but at the time was anybody really, I mean, if, if you're sitting there at that time and you know that, okay, we can sit and we've got a, whatever percent chance and it was you know not not a small percent chance right because i you you got to think james jones believed that there was at least a solid degree but we have this percent chance to get kevin durant but we're going to miss out on laurie markinen or um dejounte murray would you sit there and go no that's not worth it i didn't and i certainly don't blame anybody that didn't either if you think differently, so be it. But I, I don't think it's unreasonable for James Jones that had taken that approach last offseason. We did and, see – go ahead, Jay. Uh, yeah, just to add to that real quickly, it's not like we lost the Kevin Durant thing. You know, it, like we didn't, like, lose – He didn't go to another yeah, team. He didn't go yeah, he didn't go to another team. So it was Kevin Durant being Kevin Durant and, like, 
the Nets front office working their magic and keeping them there. And, and they're winning right now. So I think the Kevin Durant thing is different right now, at least. Yeah, but the beautiful thing just though, about every owner a psycho, is, so you never know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> every owner is like did the same exact thing. So to kill James Jones just head on is very unfair in my opinion. Yeah. That's um, and and then you go to you go to yeah, Kyle Kuzma really, rumors. Yeah. Then you start going to oh who who did Darth Pascal Siakam? There's a lot of smoke with Pascal's name right now, which I just want to say three years ago when I first started podcasting, I always thought Siakam in a Suns jersey was perfect. Yeah. It, it, I, it, it I will be. Yeah. It can be beautiful. Um, Do, right, uh, can I ask just, you guys a quick question? Yeah. No. You, you guys remember yeah. the the game that Kuzma went to, the Suns game that Kuzma went to, like, yeah, as a spectator for I think a half. Are are you guys in either of you guys in the boat of what? NBA players go watch other NBA games all the time. I hope I didn't give away which side I'm on of that by saying it like that. Um, well, I can personally speak when he was on the Lakers and came here to Utah. Um, my wife took me to University of Utah game where he went to school and he sat there for one half and then left. So to a it, Utah game, University yep. of Utah game. Yeah. So, oh, I mean, well, it's his alma mater, it's his alma mater, which makes yeah. more sense, but no, it makes all the sense he was the there world. for one half and left just there for one half and left. So, Take that for what you will. I mean, I kind of appreciate it just as a someone that's uh, really loves ball. You know, like if he can go in person and watch a game, I mean, it just shows how much he cares for the sport. And and plus, he was playing golf with Booker too, like a couple of days later. So, <laughs> either either way, I think all of us collectively can laugh at all of Sun's Twitter who think it's all James Jones's fault and we need to tear it down. We can go in on Monty. We can talk about Monty Williams's decision to let Mikhail Bridges create the shot and shoot it last night or the way he's been doing lineups the past two or three seasons. I think everybody's got a problem with Monty and his lineups, but, but before we go down that road, y'all think a deal is going to come big or small. Do y'all think a deal is going to come? And I want to point out that flex was the first one to also say, he believes that Kevin Durant is either going to be a net or a son come the start of the year. And I think it was August or September or maybe it was late July. He put out something saying a deal is probably going to get done and the Suns are in a great position, but we may have to wait until January 15th. And that was after DA signed that. And lo and behold, so everyone's now looking to January 15th. What's today? The fifth. So we're about 10 days away. Mm -hmm. I don't think fireworks are going to happen day of, but do you think let's use say flex's tweet is, is biblical and it's real, do you think January 15th is marked on everybody's calendars in that son's locker room and they possibly know something is down the wire and that they cool. were just show a, a dog and pony show for the first half of the year? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what else to say but that. Uh, the, the, the players know what's happening. The players know which guys might be there and which guys might not. And the players know that some of them are not going to be there. Um, I don't, whether that's impacting them from a psychological perspective, or it's more of the dog and pony show type thing, I, who knows, but at the end of the day, I, I look back and see the way people are responding right now. And I just kind of chuckle. Cause I, 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 I wonder if they realistically believe that we're going to have Landry Shamit and Jock Landale starting games in 
six weeks in a month. I, we are not and, a and Jock Landale slander podcast, by the way. Say that again. We are not a Jock Landale slander podcast, by the way. Especially when the Aussies are so, here. No, they yeah. don't matter so much. It's just we don't <laughs> slander. <laughs> uh, Gavin, Gavin called Jock Landale a piece of shit on their pod. And I'm like, bro, you wonder why he, he, he never responded to your tweets. Real quick, he deleted anybody... Twitter. I think I think Gavin drove him off of Twitter. Yeah, damn it, Gavin. I was trying to vie for Jock to get on the Aussie Suns podcast sometime. That would have been great. Um, <laughs> I mean, does, any, does anybody remember the Ricky Rubio year and how he had great chemistry with DeAndre Ayton? Mm -hmm. It seemed like they were able to get him passes so much more smoother. But it's crazy that the point god can't do that i remember watching entry passes the year before when when da was a rookie dude nobody could and that's the year we brought in oh i can see i can see the dude's face um that's when we brought in alfred payton no that was the year before we, we brought in a bunch of scrubs nobody could pass to ayton ricky rubio comes in 0.5 offense all of a sudden ayton's way more involved and more defensive ricky rubio goes away and it's just defensive ayton I just think I, I just wonder if anybody else remembers that. I think that's an interesting point. We I remember uh, being at summer league Aiton's rookie year, like before his rookie year, and watching them try to throw him entry passes. Then it's kind of actually now that I think about it, not 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 too dissimilar to these days, unfortunately. Exactly. And I've yet I'm, to see I'm somebody using some I, hyperbole there, of course. But. Isaiah Canaan, that's one of them that I was thinking of. Um, I was thinking of Alfred Payton. I'm like, no, that's not it. And they're, I just lost like, my train of thought. They're like slant rhymes. Kanan, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, yeah, it's frustrating um, that nobody passes to him when he should clearly be that guy. But you know what? Everything is awful. You could go up and down with this team, and everything has been awful. Dude, I, y'all, I think we miss Jay Crowder. I think this team misses Jay Crowder. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not on that boat. Yeah. Why? The enforcer, the guy that would muck it up and scrub it up, the guy that actually fight for rebounds a little bit, whether he got them or not being 6'6", six, six is completely different. But a guy that would talk to the refs, that would bark at the other team, we don't have that now. I I think it's just a straight injury thing. I mean, we weren't saying that when we at least had 80% of our roster in the beginning of the season when uh, Booker was top four in MVP conversations because of the performances he was putting up in the tight windows, we were actually winning those games and some blowout wins that we had as well. Um, we weren't talking about Jay Crowder then, and I won't now. I don't think it's a Jay Crowder issue. I mean, of course we can use that defensive presence. Maybe Evan Mobley doesn't hit that shot last night if we had Jay Crowder, but I'm not going to, you know, uh, sing, uh, single out anybody. It's a whole collective issue. I mean, we know the cards that we're dealing with right now and, right. To the first 18 games of the season, I mean, we were rolling, you know, and like everybody's hurt. Like we're missing, uh, like most injuries in the I, NBA I, by far, yeah. as far as missed games are concerned, and it's not right. close. Out of like our eight best players, we're missing five of them, basically, or have missed time. So it's like uh, we're spread pretty thin right now, and it's more than just a defensive issue. It's more of a, it's not like getting a involved that's another issue it's a bunch of issues piled together that that's making this a lot worse than it appears there's a reason why like the guys like Dwayne Washington Jr and although I I I freaking love Damian Lee and I think he could get yeah really good but 
where he's at right now. Uh, and even Landry are are the role players they are, and 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 that's what they came in to do. When you push them into a position where Landry, I think, I think in New York, Landry played like thirty seven minutes or something like that, dude. Like that's 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 not what they're expected to do. And I don't understand why people think that they should flourish in that role. Now, is there a concern of uh, is is there something to be said about okay, the effort doesn't seem there a lot of time? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, that that's a, certainly a fair yeah. thing to raise. But at the end of the day, let's go back to the dog and pony show you reference, Evan. Right? Like they're they're out there going, we're so undermanned. Why? And I'm not I'm not implying they're not trying hard, but from a mental perspective, it's got to be a little difficult to get for those games when you know, like you said, Jay, they're playing effectively without three, four of their top eight guys. And and you know, Jay Crowder, not Jay Crowder, whoever that ultimately ends up being that is a rotational player that is is not there right yeah so him mr x book cam johnson campaigns missed a significant amount of time look if, if the team continues Dario down this is a prehistoric dinosaur too by the way we're not gonna fucking win anything right but yep. you you can't you can't sit there and go well Hopefully, you know, expect injuries and try to build a roster expecting injuries, right? I mean, I don't you don't expect no, you don't. You never expect that, and they just happen. And this is our year, you know. Especially like this, we've been <laughs> we were insanely healthy our finals year. Um, just about nobody was hurt. I think Aiden rolled his ankle beginning of the season, and he was out for like eight games, and that was really it. And booked with a hamstring, and he was back, and it was. Yeah, last year too, like we were insanely healthy. I mean, that explains our record. So like and maybe maybe I'm I'm like too much of a romanticist, but isn't this like little period that we're going through and everything we've gone through this offseason, like setting up perfectly for us to win the championship? Like what, what tell me a better story than that? Come on. It is a nice story. Getting the best record in the NBA and then winning the championship. That count us out and then let us, let's, dude. How angry! How angry will people really be? A lot of people. Like, oh, a lot of people will be like, we're like, oh, fuck you. Actually, we're still really good, and we win a title. Oh my so, god! How I would, I would, I would just like, I would eat, like, inject the hate into my veins. And part of me thinks that's also a reason why Booker was so great this for, before he got injured. Um, is that he knew everybody else was on a dog and pony show. He so he just went to his Kobe Black Mamba mode, yeah, Armani mode. Excuse me, excuse. Me. He went into Armani mode and he killed it the first half of the season. And he was the Suns' offense. He made everything go. And when you play with a special player like that, like everything is just easier, right? Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Like how many how many people did Steve Nash? How many times did Steve Nash take some guy who you're like, meh? And also, like, dude, Raja Bell turned into like a demigod, right? Like, he takes guys that are solid players and elevates their game. Devin Booker has that same type of, you know, effect on his team. (laughs) Coda's got something wrong with him right now. Now we're going off topic. Now we're getting to the deep ends here. I mean, to be fair, Carolyn's not not a terrible looking person. She's just a horrible human being. So, like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get mad at him for that. Where am I supposed to go with this? I mean, podcast now? how do I direct not my, this? Not not my flavor. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. Like <laughs> I can see why some might be interested. So, Justin, to sum yes. up everything that you've been saying so far, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, you believe 
that the Suns are primed to be not only in a position towards uh, the trade deadline and getting a nice piece in here, even if it's just fitting for Jay Crowder, but with health, they're primed for a postseason run. And I said run as in multiple playoff series. 100%. Jay, are we primed for a postseason run, or is this just in the garbage and let's tank for Wimbea? Uh, I'm not. Whatever. I'm not on the Voida train. Uh, I'm not going to say this uh, season is completely done. Just like looking at the Western Conference right now, it's still insanely tight. So I mean, a- any given week, like the Nuggets can go on a losing streak. The uh, the Grizz, uh, Golden State, I think is at the ninth seed right now. Uh, like uh, these teams are having like like little uh, group together losses and stuff. So. I, I do think a trade is going to happen. It might not be a big one. It's going to be Jay Crowder uh, centered. That's going to be the main appealing piece. Hope, maybe a third team is involved in something. Hopefully we can get something going. I hope it's Kuzma because we just need another score. You know, I'm not nice. like, like Chris Paul was great last night. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want to rely on Chris Paul's legs and stuff like that at this point, we- you know? Do we do we I, think I Chris Paul's off the table when it comes to trade talks right now? Dude, everybody is on the table you. outside I'm, of Booker. I'm with you. And Shaman, apparently, because when we can't I say, get rid of him. When I say off the table, <laughs> I don't necessarily mean I don't necessarily mean in, in your opinions, but I mean, do you think he would actively be involved in any discussions? I don't think anybody wants him. I don't think anybody contract. wants the contract. If yeah. he has a one year contract, we could talk. Well, he's got what is half guaranteed next year too, right? Yeah, but if you you cut him, it's almost a full wash. If you cut him, you have to pay almost all of the salary, as opposed to having some sort of like you know you only pay fifty percent of his salary. Oh, yeah, well, that's what half guaranteed means, right? Well, let like, me know. There's there's a there's a there's a release clause. There's a release clause. Hold on, he just hold needs on. to eat let, a let steak, me... man. He, like he just needs that. To... That I completely agree with. Like, yeah. somebody sneak it, sneak it in his vegan like <laughs> milkshake or something. Or Mix wait, it in hold with on, his zoodles vegan or milkshake. Shit. I don't think that's correct. <laughs> um, I do want to play a quick little game with you guys. Games are fun, right? Uh, this I is one games. of my favorites. It's it's a game of Would You Rather, but it's going to be DeAndre Ayton style, and it's going to include that's NBA beautiful. centers. The first name I'm going to bring up, and I'm going to try to remind Justin, because I went back and forth with him a little bit last night regarding this other center. <laughs> I said, during the trade deadline last year, the report came out that Suns tried to trade for, or we're going to offer the Pacers for DeMontis Sabonis. I, f- I forget right. exactly the word, right. what they said. And I came on this podcast, and I'm like, I don't know, y'all. I-, I would rather have Sabonis. Y'all laughed at me. Y'all laughed at me. Um, so I'm going to give you guys a chance to redeem yourselves. Justin, would you rather on this team right now, would you rather have DeAndre Ayton or DeMontis Sabonis? DeAndre Ayton. Jay? Yeah. I quit. I mean, Why? 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 I mean, it helps. Why? When... What does he do? What does he do that's better? Why? Because he had some <laughs> great playoff run where he shot 70% and had good defense over like, what, 20 games? Why? 
Hey, hey, well, let me ask you this question, Coach. You were just saying how why doesn't DA get fed the ball when he should, right? Exactly. Are you saying that when DeMontis Saponis comes in here, he's suddenly going to get fed the ball in the same You mean system? a guy that has used to having worse. an offense run through him? That has huh. been to an all-star game more than two times. So he's going to change it. So Monty's going to change. Monty, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you're telling me that Monty is going to change a system around him? That's Is that Absolutely. your argument? Because if you're making that argument, then okay. Then that you're going after a guy like that to be able to do that. His passing is far and away better than DeAndre Ayton. By far. So you would you saw when Dario Saric was healthy. With the, uh, with the, under, the, under the presumption that. He's going to take a completely that Monty's going to change the entire offense he's run on this team for the past three years and mold it around him. So you're qualifying it, is what I'm just saying. I absolutely because if, if he would. comes in for, and they run the same exact system, are you is 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 he going to get more touches than DA is getting the, right now? The, yeah, but the thing with DA that when you're talking about getting, I'm touches, making sense, right? Jay? I have makes sense. My yes, I, I I see exactly what you're I'm doing. burning a little, exactly. so I want to make sure I'm being logical. You know what I mean? <laughs> but give me the last time DeAndre Ayton put up his big mitt in a place where it was also easy for the passer to go to. He does not put himself into the passing lane. He makes every entry pass completely difficult. He does. When he boxes out, he puts it up here, 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 here. He doesn't go like, give it to me over here because it's free. He doesn't push people back and make room. He doesn't do any of that stuff. So, so we can Ir talk about people passing so it to him. He does not do things to create a passing lane for the point guards. DeMontes Sabonis does. And he's a way better passer. And it's not close in that category. So earlier when you were saying, like, why doesn't DA get past the ball? You weren't talking about what you're talking about now. Well, that no. was so that. But also I'm, I'm, watch body. I'm getting I'm now getting confused. I'm not going to lie. Watch so it's players, body. it was the system earlier. and was the other players earlier. But now it's DA, right? But D that what I'm getting just making sure. Ah. Uh... Am, am that's I wrong? how you want to. That that's what I'm hearing. I just want to tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. Okay. You're not wrong. You. But DA is also not doing extra things to be able to get his possessions either. Okay. He he is not posting up in a way that's creating passing lanes, which is what you have to do when he's setting up pick and rolls. He does not cut wide. He almost cuts into a straight line. He's doing a lot of little things that I teach, I taught on a daily basis what to do in those situations to high school kids, and he's still not doing them. That's why I've been frustrated with him for three, four, five years. He's not doing the little things. He had a hell of a run in that one playoff run. Never going to take that away from him. But he has not improved in these areas at all. So, no, when he's open, they're also not getting it to him, and I also believe that's partly because a lot of the guys haven't believed in him until end of last year, beginning of this year. You see them getting mad at him all the time. I mean, the oh, few sure. games that I and they the few be. games that I went I go to, everybody's always chirping at DA. I mean, at some point you you're in your own head, and you're like, dude, these guys are not passing me the ball either. Why am I gonna try, right? No, yeah. yeah. No, I and I think that would be part of the reason if, if is there any potential that the reason you see these little things not coming out of DA is because of that mentality? Because he's like, well, I'm not getting the ball when I'm open. Why am I going to do these small things? Look, we can sit here and we can break down why each one of these guys do these little things. But at the end of the day, we have DA, right? But I would still rather have him. We could have an all-star 
We could have a guy that has offense ran through him, designed to go through him. <laughs> and you also want Aiton? That's crazy. Yeah. I'm a wild guy. Oh, Lord. <laughs> All right. But Next I'm consistent, one. Coach. No, I'm can consistent. I give him my two cents That's real quick? what I am, too. Yeah, yeah. Evan, I got a question for you. What other coaching system uses DA uh, as a just a post-up center? What do you mean? Not a, like like you uh, feed him on the interior. Uh, he can create a shot, or he passes it uh, passes it out. Just a traditional I mean, center. I mean, there there's quite a few instances. I mean, you could do it every single time if you want. If you brought the ball ball, if you brought the ball up the court on one side and had three players on the other side behind the three point line, you could have an easy box and one right there for him uh yeah you can but every I, single I, time. I'm, I'm saying on a on on a night to night basis a continuous uh offensive uh system that uses a traditional center uh, as as traditional as you can be there's there there isn't that right now because all of these all-star centers that we're about to talk about are hella good passers yeah. Jokic, Embiid, Adebayo, Sabonis that's the thing with DA because Monty uses this pop system and that keeps DA confined into like a 10 foot area. Sabonis has always had the offense ran through him just like his dad. So like you, like Sabonis is in a Draymond role, but he can actually shoot. So if, if we had DA running like that, I, we know DA has legs. But he's just not used in that sense. And if DA was actually in the East at the same time Sabonis uh, was in the East doing his thing with the Pacers, him uh, like both uh, uh, both them two would have been neck to uh, neck to neck when it came to numbers. Uh, like with, with DA, like no one's jumping up with him, no one's blocking him. Sabonis definitely isn't blocking him. And before DA got hurt this season, he was shooting better outside of the paint than Sabonis was. He's, he's shooting he, field goal. He's shooting sixty-two percent field goal this year. Forty-two from three. Eighteen point seven points per game. Twelve and a half boards. He averaged twelve point three last year. Twelve the year before that. Twelve boards before that. Twelve before that. And he averages almost seven assists. Nineteen, twelve and a half, and seven a night on sixty, forty-two shooting splits and seventy-five percent from the line. That's not too good. That I'll take that every single night over what DA might or might not get with us. that system. We don't run DA in that system. He can't put up the same numbers with the because he can't though. handle We're the ball it. either. He can't handle the ball and put it on the floor and do things that Sabonis or any of these centers can. And do. we do a dog shit job mm. feeding him the ball. I like his touches. Like Tory Craig is like doubling his touches just about every night, and that's not because of DA. That's like especially with these injuries now, like DA is being treated like Booker as the number one. So but he is getting of, double teamed. He is getting triple teamed. So like, like, what are you going to do? Sabonis gets double teamed and he finds a way. Then he has Davion Mitchell. He has uh, De'Aaron Fox. He has he had Booker uh, and Kevin Herter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When the Suns were first in the West, right? <laughs> but, uh, when it's all said and done, when the dust settles, no one's jumping up with DA. 
besides the top two centers that you're going to well, list in a minute. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to bring up Jokic and Embiid because everybody would yeah. rather take those. Uh, guys. That, uh, okay, that's, cool. That's, yeah, that's that's the everyone besides one. that. No, I, no one's I, jumping I up. I feel like DA. everybody would also rather take Da over Sabonis, except for one person. So oh, sorry. people are really passing up 19, 12 and a half, and seven assists a game. If y'all want that, that, that system, that, that drops ooh. to like twelve points. Should we? Like James go, Jones has interest. Hold on, hold on, hold on. James turn us into Sacramento South. James Jones has interest in him. You don't think he talked to Monty at all about what that would look like with him in the in his system? You yeah, don't think the they were that talking? Didn't happen? The trade that didn't happen. Perhaps because Monty was like, "Yeah, that won't work in my system." Hmm. Perhaps you don't know that. Now, now you're just you're just throwing so stuff are you. out there. That's exactly what you just said. You're like, "Don't you think that Monty and James Jones did this?" I mean, come we on. can we talk about if it's a Monty issue. Though. It, like we could definitely talk about is it a Monty issue and he can't adapt. That that's a completely different conversation. Do you feel bad? Do you feel a little bad for Paul right now? You should, right? Like this is he's been doing he's been getting this shit from me for like 20 plus years, bro. I mean, it's it's incredible that the point God is able to get to make DeAndre Jordan an all-star, but not DeAndre Aiden. Well, sure, but Chris Paul, what was that? What year was that? That was like prime Chris. Like mm -hmm. 2012 to 2015. Hey, if we had 2012 to 2015, Chris Paul, the past two years, we're winning two NBA two titles. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> but you guys what? are insane, insane. Put a pull up. Put a pull up. In Can we do that on here? Is that a new uh, feature? On st Streamyard, no, but hold we can on. on the Twitter. Wait, hold on. You're telling hey, me do you don't think you don't think prime Chris Paul like. Middle of his, what would he have been then? Early, I don't know, third, tw between 26 to 32 years old, whatever. A little bit older than book 30, 31, I think, is when he went doesn't, to doesn't, doesn't somehow get us two additional wins. Oh my god, why are we even talking about this shit? This is again, Prime, that, that's going down the I'm, deep I'm, end there. I'm, yeah, that's why, that's why I stopped. Okay, <laughs> next one, real, real quick. I'm gonna, we're gonna bring in our next guest in a little bit here. Would you rather have DeAndre Ayton or Bam on a bio? Yeah, that one I agree. I'm not going to say Rudy Gobert. <laughs> In that case, and I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say Jared, just, Jared Allen. The same thing. I was like, well, I'd rather have him. <laughs> would you? Would you rather have Robert Williams or Da? Um, yeah. Ooh, that's tough. That's the tough one. Yeah, Rob okay. Wills is hard, man. He, like, he goes to be hard. fair, yeah, the bonus made me at least yeah. think a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I'll probably go with DA, honestly. Would you rather have DA or would you rather have Jonas Valanciunas? DA. DA. I just want to keep saying DA at that principle now. Man. <laughs> if that many centers, I'll take uh, over DA, so... You you still want to live with that weak ass motor that DA has, and not somebody that fights hard every every play? I don't know, man. That's that sounds like some. I guess DA I guess the question is, there. do you watch all of those other guys play every game? And know no, that they don't suffer from. I any watch of the them same how they play against D. I watch how they play against DA, and they rock DA almost every time. Yeah, you know, I I would get fired up to play one of the best centers in the league too. So why doesn't DA get fired up to play them? 
So are you telling me he's never had he's never had a good game ever against any of the guys you just named? Pardon? Wait, pardon me. You said you said why doesn't he get fired up against them? So are you telling me he's never had a good game against any of those guys ever? He's had good games against all of them, not okay. recently though, and not consistently. I mean, you're you're saying this, but tell me tell me his stats against these guys. I don't have them up. You'll have to ask Darth about that. Okay. See, I'm just we saying. but we do know that until this year, DA like you're working in a lot rock. of conclusions without anything to back it up. Is what I guess what I'm getting at. I feel like you guys are just really biased against DA <laughs> and aren't being able to see the clear picture and want to argue against better players for DA. You're, I've been, I've so, been but most, you're not uh, saying. Probably the most I noticed you didn't DA say I was wrong so. about saying you're reaching conclusions with no evidence to back it up. No, like, you're am I wrong? Pushing, like, so, so you're, you're telling yeah, me, you're telling them, me I'm wrong. For, you're for pushing not. the narrative to be you're asking the questions you're lawyering to back me into that corner to try to say something like that what i'm trying to say is in any day of the week on any team that i've ever coached i will 100 play the guy that will play harder period okay. almost regardless of talent out of sheer principle i don't know if that works in the nba yeah it sure hasn't worked for da what he's been doing has it well, no, I'm saying like if if Monty just started starting Jock because he works harder in practice or whatever, I don't know that that makes the team better. If Monty starts starting guys out of principle like that instead of based on talent and what they can, I'm just saying well, you're, like you're you're right. That doesn't happen in the NBA because there's contracts and number one picks, and you got to play this guy, that guy, the yeah. owner favors somebody. That's what I'm like, saying. Obviously, yeah, that so. happens. I'm very biased against DA because he still doesn't do the little things. He doesn't roll correctly. He doesn't post up correctly. Things that would help. It's it's so blatant that he hasn't done this over years. And there has been very little production from that. And I'm tired of watching him do it. I'm tired of him being a, a I'm, I'm tired of him on my team. The jazz game that I went to, man, that first half, everybody was bitching at him when Damian Lee and Dwayne Washington are coming up and yelling at his ear and he's like hitting their hand away and walking down. I'm just like, shit, this isn't good. But again, that could be the dog and pony show that we've been talking about. Could be, could be. But anti-DA, anti-DA. He's, he's not wrong, dude. I've been consistent on my anti-DA stance for three years. That's that's fine. You, That's you can, been, I, I applaud you. And he's done the same things for three years, the same things over and over and over. And it's not yeah. changing. And so again, get me a guy that can at least pass seven assists a game that can shoot 40% from three. I'll take that any day of the week. Do you know what DA shot for, from three in the month of December? What? Like 64%. I don't so have why it offhand, but I looked why it up the other day. Why isn't he because, shooting more? Why isn't he shooting more? Because it's not part of the system just yet, but it's developing into it because how many threes did he take in the first four years of his career? How many th He was taking threes in the saying. bubble and people were saying were saying that. No, people were talking about that. Oh, he's going to start shooting threes. He's practicing it more. So do you, He's do you doing think, it in the bubble. Do you think yeah, that, that DA has taken... Yeah, three and a half seasons of that. DA, DA has taken more threes this year than he took in the first four years of his career combined. That doesn't he play should. into it at all? Right. He should be, right. but even when he still has it open, he's still hesitant. He isn't just going for it.
still working through that. That's still becoming part of the system. Look, at the end of the day, he is still hesitant. We're still seeing things that. getting added to his game, aren't we? We're literally talking Min about one right now, and you're rolling your eyes. Are you serious? minimal? We're talking minimal improvement. We're talking Bro. minimal. Bro. He's adding things. For He's had that in his arsenal for three years. This isn't something new. He's and taking a few more, more shot attempts, system, isn't it? Holy shit! And he's like, doing the same. But he's said, doing the like, same things. He's doing the same things he's not doing. Still, you are refusing bet, to see what he does. Bad. Those dudes that was always like Devin Booker never plays defense, weren't you? <laughs> oh, I absolutely. Before the bubble. Right. Before yeah. the bubble, absolutely. But then on the other side, I was like, but they're eighteen and sixty, whatever. What's the point? Oh, so lo losing changes it too, right? I agree. You get more critical so he, of DA when you're losing. No, I've been. That's why you start through, saying that? No, you should take other guys I was critical as hell about him. I, know I was so critical of him. Oh, I know. No, I've always said he is the one. He is the key that can unlock this whole team. I appreciate your appreciation of fundamentals, though. I really do. <laughs> It's it's key fundamentals. When you're playing with a pick and roll point guard and you can't roll correctly, that's important. What's your favorite event at the All-Star Weekend? I'll let you know this year because I get to Dude, you got to say skills competition. It. Come on, I set you up for that. I just the said skill, how I like your fundamental. Yeah, come the, on. The <laughs> 1995 to 90, 1998, no, 98 to 2001 NBA 2 ball. I'm dating myself if anybody remembers NBA oh, 2 ball. Oh, where they did that the, cool. the, yeah. finish with the half court shot? Was that it? The, with the... They, no, they teamed up with a WNBA player. Yeah. But then they tried to change it and they brought like Dan Marley in that one time, yeah. that one year to shoot yeah. and all that. It was the two ball. So it was an NBA player and a WNBA player. And they would just they rotate shooting competition court. too. Cause I have this like vague recollection of like Dan Marley was, trying to yeah. make a half court shot during. They, then that's when they changed it and added like a current player, a WNBA player, and then an NBA legend. That's I'm, when they I'm changed happy, it. I'm happy we're we're at we were able to add some levity to the to the situation, boys. Sportsman, <laughs> it has it has a way of healing. I'm and sorry, dude. I this is I fucking things. do this every day, like all day. I'm sorry, and like when I start going, I just go. I'm sorry. I no, apologize. that's fine. Just know that DA has improved. You're right, minimally. But the things that he does bad, he still hasn't improved on. Can I just and, say, can I just say, have you ever admitted before that DA has improved? Because I just heard those words come out of your mouth. I've said it before, haven't okay, I, Jay, on this podcast? I was when gonna, he plays yeah, good. Yeah, when he plays good. Absolutely. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll shut my mouth. Especially after the Pelican series. I mean, like, he showed poise yeah. and he showed his experience. And, like, for some reason, a lot of people were saying that Jonas won that series. I did not see that. DA was maintained, and when the ball went to him, like he, like he ran with it, you know. So yeah, like, when he uh, that, that, when that he wants to play, yeah. when he wants to play, he can be an absolute beast, and I wouldn't trade him for anybody outside of Jokic and Embiid. And I've said that multiple times, but he's consistently not, and that's my problem. Um, we got I got to wrap it up here because we have another next guest coming on to talk about Arizona State hoops, uh, big win against uh, number eighty-two or eighty-three in the net ranking, Washington State. So we need to get into that because this, this DA love is driving me absolutely insane. This is what anti-DA <laughs> is also, and I'm never going to forget that he did go to University of Arizona as well. So pushing that out there, and, and wasn't and the the, the president of the Diamondbacks also went there too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hall. 
I always forget. Yeah, yeah. I used to know that guy, and then I really started hating the Diamondbacks, and look what happens. Forgot him. <laughs> um, Justin, you're a you're pleasure. awfully good guest to have on every single time. That was fun. I hope I hope I hope you've always enjoyed that and and didn't feel like I was attacking. I've been accused of being attacking by well people in my profession before. Believe it or not, <laughs> I'm used to it. Either way, it was good to meet you a couple weeks ago when I was. Dude, that was fun. So, hey, at least both of us got to travel and not watch Devin Booker play. That was cool. That's way cool. We share we share that. At least when he comes up here tonight, so I might have the the great pleasure of uh, watching the Suns shit up the place in two different locations, two thousand miles apart in the same week. That's got to be like a Guinness Book rule of record or something, right? I went to an ASU-Utah game basketball one year, and ASU was down by 40 in the first half. I know Speak, what shame is. The Ooh. Clippers almost were in this game. Um, who are we playing? Real quick, who are we playing tonight? We got the Heat. Before you go, Justin, who's going to win, Suns or Heat? God, man, the Suns. I just can't not pick them, but that was the hardest one I've ever had. I'm not going to lie. But look, they got to win at some point, right? Like shots got to start falling. I feel like they're 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 going to be like Justin's here again. Close. We let him down once this week already. Let's not do it again. That's what I'm going to say. That's how I'll talk myself into that one. I like that. I'm down with that. Justin, tell everybody where they can find you if most people don't already know. They can find me at so says Jay right there at the bottom of the screen. Our pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. Follow my guys too. I always forget. To, uh, well, Paul's at Dervish of World. That's a Dervish. Dervish of World. That's an easy one. Dan Dan Duarte one. I think at Dan That's Duarte one. one. I always like to plug those guys and follow all my friends at Brightside Voida. All those boys. I love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Go have fun Let's... talking about a mediocre basketball team. More more about a mediocre. God damn it. <laughs> and that is that. Uh, I DA is the key that is going to unlock this team. I agree. And if he if he did the little things correctly and did it all the time, it would be a different conversation. But it's just not happening, and I'm tired of watching it. We see more development from Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges. So they're proving that they can develop, but DeAndre Ayton is not. But then he goes on a run where he can, like, what was his first 30-20 game was this year too, and he hasn't mm-hmm. sniffed that again. It's just... It's inconsistent. I don't want an inconsistent player. That's me. I'll tell you, you're right. Uh, Like, I'll tell you right now with with, uh, the other Jay not here. uh, Like, you're 100% right. He's still kind of here. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um, Like, I'll tell you right now, you're 100% right. And you and I have been probably the most critical on DA uh, on this podcast. Um, I mean, I get frustrated watching him just about – like everybody it's, else it's because it, we it's know the, the potential that's what yeah, it is watching him in u of a he was insane and i feel like wow. just the, the 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 coaching job uh and the people in his ear haven't um <laughs> shut up uh the, the the people in his ear just haven't uh helped him you know grow into this player and i think it's a mental thing too i i i think it's a drive thing as well um I mean, the athleticism's there. The the poise is there. We we've seen it in two playoff runs, like how good he can be. And it's with the start of this season, he was playing great. I had no complaints. Yeah. Like he he looked Same. engaged. Uh, he looked engaged. He was doing his thing. Then he got hurt. Then it took him a bit to kind of get back. And then, uh, like you know, if with all these injuries, I mean, you know, it's it's hard. You know, I'm you're 100 uh, right, Evan, with all 
all that you're saying. Uh, but when it comes to like one-on-ones player to player, you know, that's where my bias comes in a little bit because I've, I've seen more DA games than I have Sabonis games and the Sabonis games I have watched, I'll be like, I'd rather have DA. That's, you know, that's fair. Neither here or there. So that that's fair. None of us have watched enough DeMontis Sabonis or Jared Allen games to really give a formulated opinion. We are just, we're just measly old fans. Speaking of fans, uh, somebody that probably follows Arizona state basketball as much, maybe even a little bit more than me. Um, the first time to the podcast, Peter Boyle. Welcome, man. What's going on? How you doing tonight? What's up, man? I'm doing good. It's uh, officially Friday here on the East coast and we got an ASU dub for you. One of the conference. So I'm doing well, dude, that was an awesome game to watch uh, tonight. It's last night for you. Technically, uh, it was the Warren Washington game. Seven for seven. His first miss was that dunk. Only one shot attempt in the, in the last uh, half there. That was a little frustrating for me to watch. But overall, what I, I really want to dive into a few things. But what was your overall impression of the Arizona State W over number 83 in the net rankings, Washington State? It's a dub. It's three and one in the conference, which is, I think is the best start since 2012. So we can't complain. Uh, we're talking a decade here. Um I still think the team is struggling to put together an end-to-end performance since the Michigan game. Um, you're saying, I think today the key for them was they got out to a good start, which mattered a lot. I think Des had seven in the first uh, 90 seconds, right? Yeah. So that has been a difference maker. We talked about that a bit last night on the Twitter spaces that I co-host. But, um, you know, I think they probably should have won this. by They won by six, probably should have won by 10 or 15. Uh, you know, they let Mullins in the door a little bit from Washington State. He had 19. I think it was like four or five or six from three. Um, which he'll do, right? He's had 24, 20, and 23 mm-hmm. at different points this year. But I think that was kind of the key. If you shut him out, it's probably a 10 or 15-point win. But overall, it's a worrying Washington game, and we'll take it. Oh, I completely agree with everything that you said there. The thing that I am frustrated about with this team is the the peaks and valleys. It's the peaks and valleys. You'll go through stretches where they're, they're going to D you up. They're going to trans – get into transition game, turn defense to offense, dunk it on you, lob it up, hit a couple threes, and then they just go through peaks where they're shooting quickly. They get two or three turnovers. Uh, At the end of the first half, you saw Austin Nunes with really an awful possession. We give up an offensive rebound. They put it back. He's bringing it back up. He's looking at Coach Hurley. And the second time he looks over, I'm thinking, dude, don't be looking over there. He's going to get it. Boom. Before I could even finish the thought in my head. Stolen, fouls him. That nine-point lead is now four-point lead or five-point lead, whatever it was. So you see these things going on. And then you see Frankie Collins being too fast and too quick for his own good. Because I don't think he has – when he's going up for a layup or something, man, it doesn't seem like he has the control uh, that you would like to see. Like you saw from – Remy was out of control sometimes. I almost compare him to that, but you didn't see like a Trey Holder or Shannon Evans like smoothness with it. You know what I mean? He'll hit the up and under every once in a while, but he's out of control. And then you're going to get Devin Cambridge shooting a a brick of a three with like 22 seconds left in the shot clock. You're going to see these things from this team. Um, That's my frustration with it. What were the bad things that you took from this game? Yeah, a couple of things. So you made the Remy comparison. I would say when Frankie drives like that, sometimes he reminds me of Alonzo Verge a little bit more. Um, it just kind of I can see a that one man game. Um, I've made this argument before, I think, and he only had, I think, six tonight. But this team is best when Frankie's not your leading scorer. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if DA <laughs> would get the ball. <laughs> are, you, are you a DA fan or are you a DA uh, stan, if, it, if you will? 
Uh, I, you know what? I'm not. I would say I'm a fan. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, by the way, I meant to. I was listening to you guys really before I came on. I went to high school with Matt Ishbia, so if you got any questions, let me know. Oh, that's good. oh, Darth Voida, ring those up. Um, I don't know if you know John Voida. He's a uh, host of the Suns Jam session. Uh, I'm sure he's going to have a few questions. You went okay. We're going to get the ASU in a second here. Then, um, is there anything that you would just like to share off the top of your head about Matt Ishbia? Uh, he's a good dude. He's got a good reputation in the in the Metro Detroit area. Um, he grew up his his parents' house is about a block and a half from my parents, so we grew up together. Wow. Uh, He's a good dude. Yeah, he still lives in the area. Um, he's got kind of a very interesting uh, rivalry with Dan Gilbert, who owns the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, do not like each other very much. Um, and their two businesses are very competitive. Uh, full disclosure, I used to work for one of those businesses. It was not Matt's. Uh, and um, yeah, there's a lot of like uh, a lot of petty stuff there. But Matt is a good dude. Uh, he's very beloved in the Michigan State circles. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of friends that went to Michigan State that they really look up to him and, and admire the stuff he's done. He's contributed a lot. He basically pays for Mel Tucker, their football coach's salary. Um, he is, uh, I think, contributed about $25 million towards Mel Tucker's $90 million salary. So he's he cares about what he wow. cares about. And basketball is one of those things. And if you go back to that 01 Michigan State Mateen champion. Cleese, Mo Pete, baby. Yeah, those guys speak highly of him. They really do. And so does Tom Izzo. So I think you have to put a little bit of weight behind that. I, I absolutely do. That gives actually a lot of good perspective and book being from Michigan as well, too. I'm sure he has a little bit more love to that because you saw the day it was it came out when the game that I went to. He was wearing a Red Wings jersey. Uh, Jay, this is some new information. What do you have for Peter? Oh, man, uh, that just kind of came out of left field. I, That's I cool. Love it. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, to hear that he doesn't like Dan Gilbert is a good sign because I don't fucking like that guy either. So, um like uh, before I head out of here, um, uh, Peter, uh, nice to meet you. Uh, 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 love what you do. Uh, so um, I want I want you to explain to me, like I'm 10 years old, uh, someone that hasn't watched ASU basketball this year. H- how good are they in your eyes, and what is their hmm. potential ceiling, if there is any? Yeah, so I would say they're good. They can be better. Their ceiling is that they could probably win a game or two in the tournament, um, make the tournament and win That's a game promising. or two. Yeah. I think they could do that. It depends on the matchups. They play in a really good conference. Like U of A and UCLA, UCLA barely squeaked out against USC tonight uh, with like half a second left. After they were up big, too. Yeah, after they were up big. They had 12 points in the second half, but it's not a UCLA podcast. So, uh, But, yeah, like they play in a good conference. U of A is really good. UCLA is really good. Utah is really good. Um, and then there are sneaky teams. Washington State's a good basketball team. Oregon State is a good basketball team, uh, despite their record when you watch them play. So I think they could compete in the pack. Uh, I think they can probably get a bye in the Pac-12 tournament. And I think the ceiling for this team is, look, I'm an optimist and I'm a fan. I don't pretend to just be an analyst. Like, hopefully they win it all, right? But I think right. realistically the ceiling for this team is if they can get in the tournament and win one or two games – um, I think this is the best Bobby Hurley team since the 17-18 team. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. I think they're gelling and figuring out how to play together. Uh, and they're our best by far when they do what they did tonight, which they had three players in double digits yeah. and three or four players off the bench that had between six and nine. I mean, that is where they play well. Um, if you if they, if they try to – you know, they run a Princeton offense, right? So it's a lot of dribble handoff, dribble handoff. Uh, at the top, and sometimes they play four or five out. So if they can do what they did tonight, 
which is get Warren Washington involved and play slightly more high-low, then I believe they have a chance to win or compete for a Pac-12 title. Um, uh, last question. Uh, do you watch like a lot of co- uh, college ball in general, like just outside of ASU ball? Okay, so what would you say their closest comp is? Like uh, who, who's someone that is very similar to how this Bobby Hurley team is brand? I actually, you know, bring it back full circle here. Uh, I would say Michigan State. Um, not traditionally, historically, but this Michigan State this year, um, which is now the offenses are very different. Michigan State doesn't run like that. But in the sense of they show flashes of being really good. They show inexplicable weird moments where they just don't have it. The San Francisco game is a, is a huge example of that. Um, and they've struggled to put it all together. And when both teams do, they win big games. Um, but it, so far this year, neither team has really done a great job of putting it together. But they have potential. I don't think this is Michigan State's final four year. Uh, right. But, Think they could both win a, a couple of games in the tournament. That's dope. I, I think the ceiling would be if they were somehow, some way able to get out of the first weekend. I think that is a, a successful. That's the most successful ASU season since I've been a fan. Yeah. Right. Even during the Harden oh. years, uh, like yeah, he, he, he didn't he didn't get out of the second round. The 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 year that they went, he got ousted um, by it was Syracuse. It was Syracuse that year. Really? That, okay. Yeah, that was the year that uh, Syracuse and UConn had that crazy-ass seven-overtime game. Oh, it was that year? Game. Kemba with the oh, step oh, back oh. to win in the yeah. ACC. I don't know if it was the championship game or the game before, but it was that year, and so we played Syracuse with uh, Devendorf was on that team, and that zone that zone just killed us, dude. We looked we looked a shell of ourselves and Sendek and and then they had no no answer. Uh, who who else we have? Uh, Jaron Ship, Ty Abbott, uh, Pendergraph, that and Derek Glasser. We we had we had no answer for that zone. Yeah, that's interesting. I I feel like uh, I thought that team went a little further um, than that. Uh, that's actually pretty surprising just just um, as far as asu went so far so go figure and then we got ousted by syracuse again so that's fun <laughs> uh, my last question for you peter before i roll out of here um what is the the major difference between uh last year's team and this year's team because i watched a little bit of ASU, uh, asu ball uh early last year and there were some upsetting losses it's relative i think relatively the same roster if i'm uh, mistaken, forgive me. I really haven't been paying attention this year. A couple so, differences, like, but yeah. A couple differences. Uh, so what's been the biggest standout and difference uh, or just overall, like what 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 has been the biggest change? Uh, has it been injuries or lack of? Like uh, what is it? Yeah, so to me, I think, and, and I would like to answer this two different ways, but I'll instead bring it into one, which is I think it's chemistry. And what I mean by that is that you yeah. have you – have, on the court things like you have Warren Washington, right. That makes it harder to go to the rim, harder to attack, gives you a presence. You have Des and Dev Cambridge, uh, the brothers transfers from Nevada and Auburn who play at a very high level. They clearly like playing together, obviously. Uh, but I think what you have is between the three of them, you have people who have known and played together for a long time. Um, and before the stuff with Marcus Bagley happened, you also had Frankie Collins who, uh, think whatever you want to think about Marcus's situation, but Frankie Collins is not a sun devil without Marcus Bagley. Um, right. that, is, that happened. And so I think you've got those three or four people that know each other a bit better. Um, they also came together more in the summer than they have. You could tell 
if you're a fan from social media or, you know, I've gotten to spend a bit of time around these guys, like they really like each other. Uh, some people That's think good. that doesn't matter. I think it does. It uh, so there are on court stuff, like having a big inside as a seven footer um, and having a, a scorer like Dez, although he's been hit or miss. But to me, it's the fact that they know how to play together. They like playing together um, and they get it. And frankly, the, the other thing too, just to sort of make a side note is like, they, this team is best in transition. When they yes. turn defensive stops into fast-paced buckets, I'm constantly sitting screaming at the TV, push it, push it, push it. Like when they do that, they're they are best. Uh, and last year's team didn't do that at all. They set up in the Princeton every time, you know, dribble drive each time, dribble handoff, and this team doesn't do that as much, and so they're better for it. Okay, uh, I was playing go, on. <laughs> I was playing on uh, watching some ASU ball if they make it into the tourney. I, I'm hoping uh, some good luck is on their side this year. Um, I have ESPN updates on for all Arizona teams, and this year I keep on seeing ASU wins. So I thought something good was happening, especially tonight, them being uh, Washington State. I know they don't have the best history with uh, beating uh, that organization either. Uh, but um, I got to roll out of here. Uh, Peter, it was really nice to – uh, meet you and uh evan it's uh good to see you it, man yeah good to see you it's been it's been a minute uh yeah hopefully uh we can stay uh consistent as our new year's resolution uh for all of us you know all of us have been slacking so and we just won't uh, bring on justin anymore it's fine <laughs> uh but uh yeah like let's just hope the sons get their shit together and we can just uh you know uh start dropping some conversation and hope and hopefully we can have a breaking news podcast on monday night with the firing of cliff kingsbury yeah yeah for sure that's all that matters i'm praying to god uh but all right jay appreciate it cheers man uh so peter when you and i first connected uh we were it was kind of pre-san francisco game the san francisco game happens just get completely blown out. Very similar to SMU. And I, th- I wanted somebody pointed it out. I wouldn't be surprised if it was you that pointed out that there was very similar type of season. You know, we get blown out by SMU by 40 points and then they go on a run with Verge and Jalen house and everybody. And then, you know, COVID happens and it is what it is. Got pretty close to Arizona. They did better than I honestly thought they would at no point during the game that I feel like Arizona was far and away head and shoulders better than Arizona state from a talent standpoint system, whatever you want. And I, in fact, I actually think Arizona state played better defense than Arizona. Arizona is not a good three point shooting team. They shot like five of 10 in the first half. Like, yep. Come on, man. Like things like that don't happen. Uh, they pulled it in. Did they pulled it in one? You think with all that momentum, they would be able to make something happen. But then the gas just ran out. You know, you don't start bad, and Arizona doesn't make those shots. It's a different game, and I think it's going to be a different game moving up. So moving into this game, this game honestly felt like a make-it-or-break-it season game. And I didn't want to put that juju out there and say that on social media. But we go from number 25 in the net rankings, top 25 AP poll, all that stuff. And we dropped to 55 after two losses. Yep. It was a pretty devastating loss. You lose to number 83, a Q2 loss at home. You're really at an uphill battle at that point. Now you have to struggle for wins, right? This, yeah. for the moment, kind of rides the ship. I mean, we heard it on the broadcast multiple times today. You got to win your home games and split while you're on the road, right? 
Were you nervous going into this game? Um, and what does this mean moving forward? And I'm going to share my screen here and share a net ranking. So go ahead. Sure. Yeah, I wasn't nervous going into the game. Um, uh, this is the first um, time, and I was talking to somebody in the athletic department about this a while ago. This is the first team that I've watched in a few years where I don't get that sort of doomsday Arizona State fan feeling uh, every time that they struggle with it to start. What's, uh, hold on. What's your secret? Because I still get that. I still think the worst is going to happen. <laughs> I just like the team. I really I can't I can't explain it. I, I watch a lot of off the court stuff for the team, right? Whether it be Instagram stuff. Um, I, I've gotten to know Frankie Collins a little bit. Um, I've traveled a bit to see them this year. So I've gotten to talk to him. Like, I just like the team. I think they feel good about themselves. Um, so I kind of believe maybe naively, but no. So I, I wasn't nervous going in. Um, I wish the games were in a different order because this is a Washington team, UW, that they should beat on Sunday. Um, Ooh, I mean, Washington's got, beating Washington's beating Arizona by one right now at halftime, by the way. Well, it's the Pac-12. So, I mean, you know, Colorado lost to uh, – who they lose to, like, last week over the weekend? Uh, Cal. And then, Cal. And and then they crushed rocked. Yeah. Right. So, it's Pac. Welcome to it. But, uh, but, no, I wasn't nervous about it. I think I felt good about it. Um, they could have done better. Um, they should have beat this team by 20, but a win's a win. And you take that in the pack, they're three and one. It's a good thing that they didn't blow them out in my opinion, because I think this team might have a little bit of arrogance factor. Perhaps you would know more than I do. I think that, I don't think they have an arrogance factor. I think they have the potential to have that and then go in and have another bad loss. So keeping them grounded and grinding, I think is honestly best so that they can continue to improve. And ultimately we are the best version of ourselves come tournament time that's the ultimate goal right so going into what what is the next game washington they are currently ranked 148 right now yeah another this is a can't lose game in my in my mind what do you think no it's a need to win game you have to have it um they've lost to utah by i think like 23 or 24 no auburn they lost sorry 23 24 struggling auburn team they lost to USC by 13. They lost to UCLA by 20-something. Um, I mean, that's a team that need, you you have to win that game. It can't be close. Um, I'm not a guy that really cares about the score. Like they're, win, but the, they're up by five right now on Arizona. Yeah, which is just crazy. But, I mean, to your point you were making a second ago, I, I thought Arizona State looked like the better team against Arizona. Uh, I was there. Um, I watched nice. it in person, and I thought they were better. They just had a terrible start to the game, which has been their calling card. Really until tonight. Yeah, lost to lost to Auburn, uh, USC, UCLA. Currently playing Arizona. Lost to Gonzaga, who's a top team. Lost one point uh, game to Oregon State. That's that weird early uh, Pac-12 game that you get in December. Lost to Cal Baptist. That's that's not a good one. I and mean, you look at their wins or good loss. Excuse me. Their wins are not very eye popping either. I mean, they beat Colorado by ten. We had fits with Colorado again. The early December pack game um so their wins are not really there so beating an arizona team is not unfathomable because as you said pack 12 pack pack 12 is going to pack 12 right right but this would be an unprecedented win for sure um and are they going to be riding high when they come to when they come to asu or are, is this a trap game for us this washington game what do you what are your thoughts on washington coming up yeah, so I guess we'll see what happens tonight. I think that's going to change how they feel, right, depending on if they get a, a dub against Arizona and McHale. I think that's going to matter to them a lot and certainly bring energy. Uh, but going into the weekend, as of yesterday, 
I thought this is a game that ASU should win. Um, I don't think it should be particularly close. Like, I don't think Washington is that great. Um, anything can happen. Pac-12 is going to Pac-12, but I just don't – I don't view Washington. I've watched seven or eight of their games. I don't watch them and think that's a pretty good basketball team, and that is how I feel when I watch ASU. I want to touch on Frankie Collins because he is an electric dynamic player. I've already kind of touched on how sometimes when he's driving up to the rim, I'm, I'm like hesitant. I don't like Frankie Collins step back shots. He had one of those tonight under five minutes. And I was like, that's not the shot we want. Um, sometimes a little out of control. Sometimes the most dynamic player on the floor and it ain't close. Um, thoughts on Frankie Collins play so far. And are you happy with his play? Do you think it could, it could improve? What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm really happy with it. You got to kind of remember, I mean, he, he's the de facto leader of the team because he's the point guard, right? And, and that's a Bobby Early system, so point guard is always key. But he's a sophomore uh, who played about two and a half minutes per game at Michigan last year. So this is a new role to him um, to be sort of the lead guy and a leader of a team. And I think he's adjusted really well. To me, he's a very traditional, like floor general, um, looks for open looks for his teammates, like his best when he's dishing the ball, aggressive on defense. Two of the losses of the three that they've had so far, he's been the leading scorer. And I've made this comment before. Like, if Frankie is leading scoring, it's a bad night for ASU. That's not where you need him to be. He is not that guy. He's not Remy Martin. You don't want that from him. Um, he is best when he is working the ball around, and he did that tonight. Um, some of their big wins with the Michigan, the Creighton win, I think they've had close to 20 assists. Um, I did not look how many they had tonight, but 18. 18. So, like, the math is the math, right? And that is – and I think Frankie had six points tonight, right? Um, so, to me, that's where he's best. That's where he fits. When he starts feeling the need to start to jack up shots or take some of those step backs I don't like or sometimes he makes those drives like you saw tonight um, where he just looks a little out of control. It's Alonzo Vergy to me, and I think that's not where he's best. And so when he is the general of the floor, this team succeeds. No, I completely agree. His running mate, DJ Horn, 6 of 14, uh, not the best night, not what we expect, not what I expect from DJ Horn. I think he could get 16 to 18 points, no problem. Uh, comes up with 12 tonight, over 6 from 3. There was a couple runs there where we had like three wide-open three-point shots and offensive rebounds and nothing could hit. Um, what are your thoughts on DJ Horn so far? I'm, I've been... I've been okay with, with what he's done. There's some games where he's carrying us, and you're like, damn, this dude is good. Um, other games, he just kind of disappears. But it kind of is like that with Warren Washington tonight, right? Like in the second half, he was nowhere to be found when it comes to field goal attempts. Uh, so DJ Horn, do you think he's a byproduct of the system, or should he be taking over a little bit more? Talk to me about DJ Horn and your thoughts. Yeah, he worries me a little bit. I don't didn't think he looked good tonight. I know he had um, he had twelve, right? Uh, but had twelve. Had the dagger at the end, the little floater in the lane, right? He did fair, but he worries me. I, I uh, you know have a group chat with some some diehard ASU basketball guys that we kind of you know go throughout the game, and I almost texted like I'm worried about DJ with four minutes left, and I didn't because I thought it was bad luck, but I am. Um, he doesn't. His shot doesn't look the same. Uh, it doesn't look right. He looks off. I think, was he 0 for 6 or 1 from 6 for 3? Something Over. like that. Right. Um, which usually, he's money from 3. And he has him in the last few games. And then even down to like, maybe this is putting a bit too much emphasis on this, but even at the very end, when he gets that offensive foul on the inbound, when all he needs to do is ice it or move the ball through, throughout yeah. the trap, he doesn't. And I was watching his, him afterwards, and it's a little bit jaded because you're watching the footage but versus being in person, but he looked lost. 
after that offensive foul. And I, I just don't know that he's where he needs to be or where he can be, certainly. So I think he'll be okay. He's a contributor. He's getting used to playing more off the ball. Uh, last True. year, he brought the ball up a lot, right? So now he's got Frankie. He didn't have that last year. Uh, but I, I just I'm, I'm worried a little bit. It's not where you should be. You know, and I, I almost feel different. I feel actually very comfortable and confident with him that he can create his own shot and be able to do something. The three-point shot, that's 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 a conversation in its own. But when I'm watching him on defense, I feel like he's the one always making the correct uh, rotation. Yeah. Almost every time I'm seeing him on defense do that, I'm wondering if that's part of why he's been playing a little bit more too. Um, there was a... Uh, there was a moment in the game where we turned the ball over. I want to say it was Jemiah Neal or something like that. Turned it over on our side of the court. Everybody's coming back, and they're passing the ball every which way. He had the the headiness to be able to know that he's got to get to the corner because that's where the ball is going to go. Right as he turned and started going over there, pass went over there, got it covered. By that time, somebody else rotated uh, to the top of the key where the ball went next, and like everything was fine. And I was like, man, that would have been a wide-open three, and we'd have been up one at that yeah. point. Um, so there's a lot of things I'm actually liking from DJ Horn, but and it's what you pointed on. He's getting used to playing sidekick and being off ball, right? And I think that's different, especially with a, a dominant ball-heavy point guard in Frankie Collins who tries to kind of get it to everybody. But also you got Devin Cambridge, who's been trying to think of his name, played with Jahi Carson, Jermaine Marshall, rest in peace. This almost feels like a Jermaine Marshall or a Carrick Felix kind of outburst of a of a year where it just kind of came from nowhere. He's averaging like almost 18 a game. Um, he's by far our best offensive player. But again, peaks and valleys, man. Peaks and valleys. I mean, there were two lob plays tonight. Two lob plays yeah. that ended up uh, losing possession. The first one to Dev where he looked over and just kind of floated it and it wasn't a good pass at all. And it was behind him. The second one he passes and there's two people catching it for the lob. So heady player again, long arms, better defensively than I thought. Great player up and down though, uh, up and down to uh, tonight. He had 13 points, uh, four of six, two for four from three, three for four from free throw, uh, five rebounds. He just did a little bit of everything. Um, talk to me about the Cambridge brothers, uh, specifically Des. Yeah, I love watching them play together. I mean, you can just – it's right. exactly what you would ever think two brothers would play like, right? Um, it's just fun to watch them. So, I think it's interesting. And, and uh, I said this a few weeks ago in the space. I don't have the stats in front of me. But Dez has had big nights, um, and then he's had low nights. And when you look at averages, I think he sits somewhere around like 10-5-3 or 7-5-3. 11, 11.1, uh, 3.3 rebounds, 1.7 assists. Okay, so so a little bit lower than I thought even. And then versus Deb, I think is roughly around the same, which is not what you would expect from him. Uh, where does he sit? Do you have it in front of you? I'm gonna I'm pulling it up right now. So basically the twins or the brothers average each other out. He's yeah. averaging ten points, five point four rebounds, but barely an assist a game. So it's roughly the same, give or take a, a one or two here or there. Um, which is not what you would have expected coming in. You would have expected that Dez is the premier player, particularly scorer. And then, you know, Dev would. <laughs> okay, 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 check this. So last year, Dez at, uh, at Nevada added 16, 16.1. Dev at Auburn averaged five. That's about 21 points per game. Now they're averaging 10 and 11, 21 right. points per game. It's just a little lopsided now. It is. And so I think my point here is that if Dez were to be able to find consistency and get to that 16 or so, 
uh, and Dev were to stay playing above where you think he should be on paper, then you really have a pretty pretty lethal combo at that point. Um, he, and defensively, I, mean, I don't worry about anybody on this team, to be honest. Uh, maybe at times Gaffney, um, particularly around the arc, but no, I don't worry about any of them defensively. Uh, he's shooting three less shot attempts and one and a half less three-point attempt a game. So give yeah. or take four and a half shots less, which I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm going to go to Nevada and look at last year's stats. I wonder how deep Nevada was last year. Are they playing seven deep the whole time, right? You know what? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either, and and we're not going to find that. So I'm wondering I'm wondering if that's part of it. But I mean, again, we're we're ten deep. Came off he he was at the San Francisco game. Our best player, our best offensive player, was out at the San Fran game. Um, and he's taking less shots, but he's not showing like he's upset. He's not pulling a Marcus Bagley and being being upset on the end of the bench because he's not getting the amount of shot attempts he wants or something like that. He's going out there, and he's being effective on both ends of the court. You saw him get two or three swipes for steals tonight. Again, didn't end it the way we want, but he's right. doing everything possible. So as you said, you, the team likes each other. They're bought in. The big question mark is his bench right now, man. Um, you see Jemiah Neal doing some nice things here. There had a nice three tonight for his only shot of the game. Duke Brennan has an impact here or there. The Arizona game, he did good tonight. Not as much. Uh, Gaffney, I, I love Gaffney. I, I wish he could shoot a little bit more consistent, but four points tonight. Uh, Lou, Lou Muhammad, uh, yeah. nine points tonight. He had a great game off the bench. Austin Nunez, that Michigan game in that early part of the season, you're just like, wow, this dude is really going to light it up, isn't he? He's fallen off a little bit. Talk to me about the bench and what you're seeing. I, I want to see more Luther Muhammad personally. Yeah, it's a yeah. Um, Luther worries me at times. I, you know, anything inside the arcs, not so much. But honestly, every time I see him put a three up, I'm just like, it's not going in. Um, maybe that's biased, but I know he did. He did hit one tonight. He um, made it tonight, and he made the, his first one of the season a couple games ago. He did, but um, no, I think the bench is okay to be honest. I mean, Austin. Yeah, I was at that Michigan game, and I was like, whoa, what's going on with this guy? Like, this is incredible. But he's also an 18-year-old freshman, and I think he makes freshman mistakes. You brought it up earlier. That dribble up, looking at Bobby for the play call, gets turned over in the backcourt, right? Commits the foul for the and one. Like, that's – I don't think that speaks to him as a player. That's freshman stuff to me. Like, yeah, I absolutely. get it. And so I don't think that's that bad. Duke has way outperformed where I thought he would. Um, it doesn't always show up on the box score, but, you know, he comes in tonight to essentially replace Warren and guarding Gay, and he does a good job. Uh, like, you know, I think, what did Gay have tonight? He had like eight, he, uh, he had eight. He had single digits. I know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, He had Ooh. eight. I mean, him and Bamba combined, Bamba had nine, uh, Gay had eight. And like, those guys have both gone for 20, I think four times this year. So, yeah. uh, and, uh, and Duke had decent minutes. I don't have it in front of me how many he had, but I would guess he had between eight and maybe seven and 10 minutes or something along those Ten. lines. Yeah, and Duke had ten, Jemiah Gaffney, Nunez, eleven and twelve, and then Lou Muhammad at nine. Yeah, and I didn't. I, I was kind of trying to catch Bobby's comments after, but this was the because I know he brought it up. But this was the first time where he they truly like did a hockey line shift um, for extended minutes. They've done it before for here and there, and they start to bring the starters back in. But there was that point around maybe the ten minute mark in the first half where maybe a little bit more like fourteen. Uh, before the 12, under, 12 and under media where they played for like three or four straight minutes and they maintained the lead. So they maintained the lane. They had, there was a point where they had three or four straight possessions in the second half where they scored right, right off of, right, right off of that, which was 
clutch because that zone defense, the the extended zone, was really pressuring them, and they were not making good decisions to start it. Um, and that's when the lead went from like eleven or twelve down to what three or four. So two actually, because then we were able to get it to six by halftime. So they were able to adjust. They were able to do some things different. And I'll I'll tell you though, when it got down to, was it six at the second half and like the last two or three minutes, I was like, this is, this is what's going to happen. We're really about to lose this game. It was six with like a minute 30 left after that, after the DJ turnover on the offensive foul. Uh, And then they, you know, they iced it from there, but um so yeah, I mean, I I don't I'm not worried about the bench. Uh, there are certain components of it that I think they just try to click together, and maybe they don't have it as much. But um, they get decent minutes at least. Like Bobby is playing ten guys every night, no question yeah. about it. And I think that makes a difference. Now, granted, I think UCLA is the best team in the conference, and they basically play six, uh, occasionally seven. But I like for a defensive first like all-in effort team i don't mind them playing 10 even if at times it means they sputter a little bit offensively defensively tonight i thought they were they didn't cause chaos like they usually do because i think that comes mostly when the when teams try to bully them in the paint they just have active hands everywhere yeah tonight was more about shutting down the three-point line um and they 11 for 32 34.4%. And some of them were just misses. I mean, that just happened. Some of them were wide open. They were just misses. But for the most part, I really thought the guys are pretty good staying on shooters' hips um, and getting hands up there and not falling for fakes. That is one thing Bobby Hurley teams has been awful is falling for every damn pump fake. Um, I thought they did a good night, good job tonight on defense, even though they didn't cause the chaos they usually do. They had some of it. They created 11 turnovers. Yeah. Um, thoughts on their defense and the game plan tonight. Did you see something differently than we've seen in other games? The only thing that I, that bothered me or that I thought they could have cleaned up is that they didn't adjust to the fact that Mullins was on fire. Um, and he'll do that to you. Like he's had games this year where he's gone for 24, 22, 16, where he'll shoot like 70, 75% from three. So five for nine, 19 points. I mean, yeah, I mean, almost, almost. And so like, Again, I made this point at the open when I when I joined here, but like I think if you shut that down a little bit better, you're probably looking at a 12 to 15 point win. Um, because all in all, I mean, I think for the most part they shoot about 36 ish. Let's call it 35 for um, meaning Washington State from three, and I think they were at like mm-hmm. 35 or 32 tonight. So by and large, you kept them where they need to be. So I thought the defense was good, but I, I, there was a little bit of a lack of an adjustment there- to Mullins. 36.4 and they shot 34 tonight. So they're, yeah, they're, so. they're about where they need to be. Right. Um, and this is the best, one of the best percentage shooting teams that ASU has played this year. And I brought this up on those bases last night. I think if they were going to go for, cause they roughly go for about 44% from the field, give or take um, then that 35 number we just talked about, and then something like 70 ish um, uh, from the stripe. And so if they're going to do that, which they did, then you've got to play offensively uh, better than you did against U of A, and they did that tonight, and that's the win. But So I think defensively they're fine. I just would have liked to see them close that gap with Mullins a little bit more. I completely agree. I think that was the only thing that they could have done better. Uh, Washington, by the way, 50-43 to 43 up on Arizona. I'm hella excited about this team. Um, I'm more excited to watch Arizona State games than I am Suns games right now. Um, yeah. And that says a lot because the Suns were my first love, but – 
as I said earlier, I'll take guys that are out there with less talent competing and fighting and scrapping and clawing every single night over not the <laughs> over Marcus Bagley, <laughs> over DeAndre yeah. Ayton. Like I'll, I'll that's why this team has been fun. Um, I'm a little bummed that we're not seeing Enoch Boachi a little bit more, but from what Duke yeah. Brennan is doing and what I saw from film and tape, and then what I saw from Enoch last year, in my mind, it wasn't close. You played Duke Brennan over Enoch. Like Duke is way more polished. He he gets it. He's tough. He sticks his nose in there. Um, took a charge from the six foot eleven tackle from Washington State, right? So I, I just I, I felt like he was better. But again, I wanted to see that. So I think Boachi's like a prime portal entry candidate going into next year, unfortunately. Um, and we're going to be looking for another center to walk in, um, another seven footer off the off the yeah. street, just like we did with Warren Washington this year. What do you think? Yeah, the only thing about Enoch that I think, um, you know, I think it's it's fair to say, okay, he's a sophomore, right? And so, uh, but he's only nineteen, turned nineteen in the spring. He's a young sophomore, mm-hmm. but yeah, okay, sophomore year, so he's got two left. So you know, he transfers, he doesn't get minutes. I think we have to consider some of the other intangibles with that, which is that like Warren is gone next year, so there is an opportunity to play platoon even with Duke if you don't bring anybody in from the transfer portal. Sure. Um, but Gaffney also, will be gone too. Gaffney will be gone. But also that, A, Enoch seems to really like being a Sun Devil. He's unlike some people we've mentioned before. Like he's not getting minutes. He's just as enthusiastic on the bench uh, or in practice or online as you could be. Um, I saw him and some of his teammates in Vegas when I was out there after the game and ran into them. And he doesn't seem to be uh, in any way feeling like he's – you know, down and out, uh, at least personality wise. And also, I think you have to remember that like, he came here partly because he was committed to Michigan State, right? He was a five star out of out of uh, Canada. He came here partly because his AAU coach was allowed to come with him in George. And so, like, that's a package deal at this point. George is on the staff. Um, you're going to have to take George with you if you're going to transfer. And the reason he doesn't play for Michigan State today is because Tom Izzo said that's not going to happen. Um, which is in no way, shape, or form a shot at George. I think we're a phenomenal coach and great member of the staff. But, like, there's just intangibles here where I'm, it's not quite like he's just going to bail. I don't get that vibe from him. I could be totally wrong. I mean, there's a – Things happen, right? There's an ASU football player that followed uh, the Activate ASU account this morning and transferred this afternoon. So, like, who knows? Um, but I, I just don't know that it's a foregone conclusion that Enoch's not here next year. My concern is I don't know how he's supposed to develop if he's literally not getting minutes. Yeah. I just it's don't kind of, It's a uh, – trying to think of the, the, the African player that played behind uh, Pendergraph. Botang, Eric Botang. It's kind, uh-huh. of, it's kind of like that where he didn't really get his opportunity until he was a senior. Or, or Ruslan Pativ, right? Yeah. It's kind of the same thing with him as well too. Also, guys that stayed around four years, or I guess Botang was a Duke transfer – but he stuck around for two or three years in a Sun Devil uniform until he got his uh, got his opportunity to shine. So I'm really excited about this team and the potential. Um, PH and X Sun Devils do a great job covering them, but and they consistently say, and I agree with them, we haven't seen the best of this team yet. That's what's exciting. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm excited for. Um, I'm more nervous now. I think I'm going to be just more nervous every single game that comes up because I do have such high expectations. Um, partly because I called it and everyone's like, oh, this team ain't making the tournament. I'm like, no, this team, this is the tournament team, yeah. top to bottom. We're 12 deep. That's when we had Enoch and playing and, and Marcus. 
-hmm. who's going to be the one that's not going to play, you know, this is, this is that team. So I'm nervous that my prediction wouldn't come true. Um, but ultimately I just really want them to succeed. I think this is his best team since the Lou Dort Zylan Cheatham team. That team was so much fun to watch and the defense they had, but again, no three point shooting couldn't shoot their way out of a zone to save their life. So I'm hoping we get kind of a, a Marion Jackson, Jay Heath turnaround like they did last year. They were able to turn it around and they were able to sink some threes. That's something that I think we just, we're going to need, we're going to need some consistent shooting and consistent offense. And the one thing that I'm looking for ultimately more than anything is those valleys that we're talking about. Can they just get a little bit smaller as it goes, right? Can those valleys get smaller and smaller? I thought they did a good job tonight because they put themselves into some corners, but they, they were able to fight and claw right back out. Like no question within two or three possessions, they're up by eight points again. So yeah. that's what I'm looking forward to, to see how they continue to progress. Um, let's check the the Washington game real quick. What, what's the score? You got the score of 50 to 48. Arizona's coming back right now. So we'll see what happens there. Um, so call it right now, uh, Washington and Arizona state Sunday matinee game. Uh, who's going to walk away with a dub? I think it should be Arizona State. Uh, I think it will be. I think they played, what is it, two games in, not counting tonight, two games in basically a month, three weeks, mm-hmm. um, and they lost both of them. Um, and so I think they were a little rattled. I thought you saw some people tonight that hesitated to put up open shots. Um, I think they shot 11% against U of A, and that sticks in your head after a 20-some, whatever it was, blowout against SF. So – I think this win is huge. It matters. I think that they'll rebound. Washington is not Washington State, and you should win that game. Um, now, if they pull this out against U of A tonight, honestly, even if they don't, I don't know how much time is left in that game, but then that's probably a confidence boost for them. But I think you have to get that dub and then look forward to Oregon next week. I agree. Oregon, again, not that good. Oregon State, yeah. sneaky good, right? Really good. But you're, yeah. you're going on the road. We have actually had pretty good success at Oregon State. We have had horrible success at Oregon. Uh, winning at Oregon seems to be something tricky for us. But again, you take care of business at home, you can split on the road. So yeah. that's going to be key. And I'm just, uh, I'm it's hoping good, and praying, man. <laughs> it's a basketball conference, and it's full of good teams this year. And I think, but I, I was asked this a few weeks ago, I think on one of the spaces, it's like, who's the one team in the pack that scares you? So put aside UCLA, U of A, and Utah, right? Let's just say those are givens. And maybe even SC. USC. Yeah, of the rest, who's the team that, that, that worries me? It's Oregon State. Um, they I, are I, I, I would argue Washington State, but I think that's almost a toss-up. and I'm, I'm That's just me personally, but yeah, I can see where fair. you're coming from. I think with the exception of one or two teams, and even then, again, Cal beat – Colorado, uh, who smoked Oregon. Like, so how do you ever really know? But with the exception of maybe like a Cal and a Stanford, pretty much most teams can beat most teams in this conference any given night, minus probably UCLA and U of A. And even then, tonight proves that that's not even true either. What's crazy is that the last three games will all be quad one games of the season at Arizona, at UCLA, at USC. Yeah. All quad one wins. I, I really feel like we need to be. We need to stack some wins right now. Washington is a must win. You go at Oregon, who's not good. You win that, and you're three in a row going into Oregon State. You're probably feeling pretty good. You can come away with a win there. Their, their net rating is 223, but I don't think their raking necessarily yeah. uh, shows how good of a team they are. And then all of a sudden, 
You've got UCLA at home riding a four-game win streak January th- on a Thursday game. Yeah. You do, Anything and then – Well, so you've got the L.A. school sandwich in the middle there, but then it recycles. Then you've got Washington and Oregon again. Um, so really And then got, Stanford and Cal right after that. Yeah, so if you include tonight, like of the next eight games, six are against the same teams. Yep. Uh, so this is your chance right now to – even if you drop one or two of those LA, even if you drop both the LA games, and you take care of business with the Oregon schools and Washington schools, you're in a great spot. So you're you're not going to lose a lot of points a close game at home to the number ten team. You're not going to lose a lot of net rankings in that. You know, a no. quad one loss is not always a bad thing. A no, quad three loss against Washington, yeah. that's a bad thing. Yeah, especially Yo, I, with our strength of schedule. Our strength of schedule was one forty eight. Yeah. And what, what what is it? Strength of schedule overall is 133. Our non-conference was 213. Yeah. So when you start pinpointing and looking at teams that are all the first four in, first four out, you people look at strength of schedule like, well, theirs was like top notch. They've played eight top 25 teams. ASU, you played 213. We're not going with you, right? Yeah. So these are the games you cannot lose. Uh, they're eight and, t- eight and two in their last 10. Uh, actually, I guess if you want to go farther, 10 and two in their last 12. Uh, this team sure. can ride the hot hand. They can do hella good. I expect a, a Washington win, and hopefully in the next week or so, you'll be able to uh, join me again, and we can continue talking about how good Arizona State is because it's great to talk about good hoops. It's good to talk about Dillingham being in there and having good juju around the programs. And, again, you know, I am i don't know if you follow ASU bat- baseball. I'm looking forward to this year with Bloomquist and their, their top recruiting class. Yep. Pitchers that they brought in, like, Things are are looking good around Arizona State. This time last year, it was doom and gloom, baby. It was awful ASU hoops team coming off of COVID. An awful scandal and everything going on with ASU, Jaden Daniels transferring. So this is just a breath of fresh air. It is. Um, And any last thoughts on ASU hoops right now before we get out of here for the night? I think it's a good team. I think you got to take care of business and win these games you got to win. You have to take care of Washington on Sunday and then try to compete against – the big boys uh, with the LA schools in Arizona and let's see where this goes. But um, I believe in the team. I think they're going to try to figure out how to put together a good game the way they did in Michigan end to end. And they'll be fine. As John Rothstein says, be in position to be in position. And that is exactly what Arizona state did tonight. Uh, again, they play Washington uh, five o'clock, five o'clock local time uh, on Sunday. It's kind of a weird Sunday game when everybody else plays Saturday, one more check on the ASU or Arizona, Washington. Arizona's up one now on Washington. So there you go. Um, right. He's on fire podcast. It was great to be back, everybody. Please like, share, subscribe, do all that fun stuff that you normally do. Uh, we'll catch up with you guys next time. Peter, thank you again. Tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me at uh, at Boyle176, B-O-Y-L-E-176, or more importantly, at activate underscore ASU, uh, which maybe we'll talk about next time. But follow us there. We're doing a lot of good stuff with uh, – NIL and partnering with Sunny Angel, and we got some good stuff going on. And we're going to bring all that to you uh, next time. Uh, thank you for joining by, Peter. If you want to just hang around a second, we'll talk backstage. And uh, yeah, everybody have a good night. Thank you. Go Suns, go Devils. He's on Fire Podcast. Thanks for joining in.